0: Everyone, before we get to this week's episode, I want to let the members know we have an overtime available. Today is an overtime episode. I haven't done one in a while, and I know many of you guys skipped through the intros, you little suckers. So I wanted to give you a heads up before you skip the intro that that there is an overtime episode available today. If you guys so choose to listen, head on over to the website or the app for the overtime after you listen to this first half of the episode. Let's go. Welcome to the show, everybody listening to The Confessionals Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is contact at contactattheconfessionalspodcast.com. That's contact at contactattheconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more shows on a weekly basis, we drop a member show every Thursday on The Confessionals website and on The Confessionals app. You can get access to those episodes. Also, the Tuesday episodes ad free and you can get the overtime segments when they're available on the app and the website. And today is an overtime segment. So if you want the overtime for today's episode and all the other membership content, go to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button in the top right-hand corner and become a member today. All right, listen, we are doing t-shirt pre-sales. Yay! I know a lot of people have been wanting more t-shirts. A lot of people missed the actual logo t-shirt we dropped earlier this year, so it's back. We're doing the logo t-shirt again, and we have two new designs. We have the Beast of Bray road design, which is absolutely awesome. It has a dog man standing in a field in Wisconsin. It's a freaking awesome design and a Tennessee Bigfoot hunting design where Bigfoot is carrying an AR with the logo of Tennessee behind him. You guys are going to absolutely love these t-shirts. Go ahead and check them out on the website. They're available right now on the website in the store tab. Just go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the store and get your pre-order in now because between now today, the 20th of June through the 30th of June, we're taking pre-orders. After that date, we're done taking pre-orders. The members have been able to take pre-orders starting last week at a discount. This week and next week, we're doing pre-orders for everybody. And after the 30th, we're cutting it off and we're sending the order to the printers. So if you want these t-shirts, any three t-shirts, go ahead and check them out right now at the store on the com. Now, today we have a great guest coming on. We have Walter Bosley joining us on the show. And you see, Walter, he's going to give us an overtime segment where he gets into his dad because his dad was part of the MKUltra program, like literally MKUltra'd his dad. And we get into a great conversation about that, the GATE program, because we have a coming member show next Thursday talking to a lady who was actually involved in the GATE program. And Walter has plenty of things to say about the GATE program because Walter was in the gate program and we talk about that in the overtime segment also his dad being part of MK Ultra and other things in the overtime but In this segment, because Walter is a former counterintelligence agent, we decided to bring Walter on to talk about all this UFO stuff that's being released right now through David Grush. Now, David Grush, if you haven't known, he is the whistleblower that came out saying, we're in possession of craft that weren't made on Earth. We have bodies, and I'm blowing the whistle. Well, it seems like Walter feels like that may not be totally true, and we might be living through a perception management operation where they give us some truth, some lies, and some half-truth, half-lies. We talk about these things with Walter and what he thinks about all this UFO stuff coming out, but also how some of the truths in there actually are true and are put there for a reason, like the fact that these may not be beings, or at least not all these beings may not be coming from outer space, but rather within our space, But other realms, other physical dimensions that we don't have access to, but other beings, entities that live in those dimensions are able to transcend the dimension and come here. But they actually house themselves here on Earth, just in another realm. We talk about a lot of things in this episode, including space wars, wars from other beings, whether it's realms or space coming here for humanity we talk about it all, so let's get to Walter in this fantastic conversation right now. All right, today we have Walter Bosley on the show. How are you, sir? Pretty good. How you doing, Tony? Uh, doing good, so uh we just connected, and I said, let's just save it for the recording uh i i am I am particularly glad i I you know I, I have a pretty busy schedule, and sometimes I have to reschedule people multiple times. uh people have to reschedule with me, and with you and I, it was just back and forth and uh yes i I found I found out about you on somebody else's podcast. I remember last summer I had just moved to Tennessee and I was mowing my my jungle of a lawn because uh, it, it was all like waist high and I didn't know if there was rocks that I could mow over. So I literally went through over an acre weed whacking the whole thing. And uh, it was a nightmare, but the whole time I was listening to many podcasts and uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember whose show you were on, but you were a guest and I found you fascinating. Uh, and I immediately reached out to you to have you on and we went back and forth and over over the last, I don't know, year, we've just kind of like bounced back and forth with, (laughs) with getting each other on the schedule. Uh, but I feel like sometimes things work out for best because, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we, uh, we just had this UFO, uh, whistleblower situation come out and I was thinking to myself, Who better than to have you on for this? And and I, I'm excited to introduce you to the audience. I don't know who knows you, who doesn't. So if you could maybe uh, take the second to just kind of introduce yourself to the people as to who you are. Uh, maybe your background because what i do know uh, what what i reached out to you when i reached out to you what i was, had in my mind was your dad's story and how in your take on your uh-huh. dad's story and we'll touch we'll touch on that today and and how that equates to to what's going on in today's world but uh, let the people know who who you are who is walter bosley
1: well i spent um and this is the reason i often get asked to talk about certain things i spent 20 years in the us national security community between the FBI and the Air Force OSI and <clears throat> working for some other guys in counterterrorism and, and such. And um, I, my my time in the Air Force, of course, was as a special agent of the Air Force OSI, which is legendary or infamous in the UFO community, depending upon your perspective. And um, I I spent that time in particular in counterespionage and uh, program protection counterintelligence. So during my time in the Air Force, uh, you know, having a pretty decent clearance um, and what I did specifically in my specialty, I was exposed to a lot of Air Force classified technology. You know, both already applied in the field and uh, in development. So it gives you, you know, anybody with that experience that I have, you know, you're you're going to have a particular um, perspective on the whole UFO mystery, you know, so to speak, that um, is not always popular. <laughs> but uh, after, let's see, I established a publishing label. Oh, probably about. Three or four years, Um, no, a few years, less than 10 years before I um, uh, essentially retired, so to speak, from the national security community and uh, focused on publishing initially um, fiction. And then I wrote my first nonfiction book about the arcane esoteric engineering of Disneyland. And that came out in early 08. And that really kicked me off on, on pursuing and writing nonfiction. So over the years, since, since the Disneyland book came out in 2008, I've done about 14 or 15 nonfiction books from um, uh, occult, murder, to, um, again, my favorite word, arcane history, um, and, uh, uh UFOs and MK Ultra, which you mentioned, in the book about my dad, which we'll we'll get into, and breakaway civilizations. And the interesting thing is, as different as all those seem, one each one of those books led to the other, and there are actually threads connecting all the nonfiction stuff I've done. So I've I've become kind of the guy that um, uh, pulls the threads of history leading up to our current times. To give, um, I hope, a more clarified perspective on what has led up to some of the mysteries, you know, of today. So that's what I am,
0: and it's <laughs> what it's I do. it's very interesting. Uh, and the books that you're writing, I can see. I, I was browsing through the books, and I can see how one could lead to another because I kind of felt like that. I was like, I wonder if that has anything to do with this, and. In, in the research, I imagine you you come across information, and you're just like, oh, that's a rabbit trail that we're not going to take right now because we're on this, but right. we're going to circle back to that for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, specifically,
1: that happened with I wrote the Disneyland book, and that involved what is popularly called ley lines, but what is technically more telluric current, kind of the Tesla world power grid on the globe. And I was um, following up on research related to that um, within the context of um, the Disneyland book. And that led to um, reports of a ghost in a mall here in San Bernardino Valley, which is where I live, the Inland Empire. Um, And that ghost story led to what appeared to me to be um, seven serial murders with a cult motive in 1915. Um, And as I was pulling the same threads that led to that, um, some threads emerged about the explorer, Portuguese explorer, um, Juan Cabrillo, who was well known in the state of California because he was the first European to, in the 16th century, explore California, what we know today is California. And uh, just as you said, um, I held off on that one. In fact, I held back on the Juan Cabrillo data, even though it was coming in through three books on the other mystery. And after I finished the third book, that series is called Empire of the Wheel, after I finished that, um, then I finally jumped into the Juan Cabrillo book, and that opened a whole other series of books of which now there are five and I'm working on the sixth.
0: Unreal. That's, that's really cool. Uh, now you mentioned about San Bernardino. Is that near Joshua tree at, by any chance? I'm not sure. Joshua
1: tree is about an hour and a half east of where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> not too far. Um, the integratron, if you've heard of the integratron, the strange little dome, shaped building, um, which has a history in, uh, the UFO contactee world. Uh, that's only about an, a little over an hour East of where I live. And, and um, Joshua tree is just beyond that.
0: Okay. I asked because, um, I did an episode, I think it was episode 512. I called it, um, a desert portal, death cult. Uh, I had a guy on the show who shared an extraordinary experience about essentially being lured into the desert of Joshua Tree, where he spent over a day at this seemingly rave party. They put um, a okay. uh, like a VIP bracelet on him, even though he wasn't planning on being there, and he was just kind of like ra- seemingly randomly brought there. Um, mm-hmm. They labeled him as a VIP, and he laid out. In very much detail about what he went through at night, that seems like he was part of some kind of occult ritual. And I, um, I aired that episode, and then there was another guy who was listening to that episode that was stationed at Twenty Nine Palms, and he ta- he contacted me about how he took one of the soldiers out to Joshua Tree, you know, years ago, uh, to a party in the desert that seemed to be. Like almost identical to what my guest was describing. When I sent him the coordinates of where this happened, he said that's exactly where he took this other guy to. And it seems like there, on the surface level of what I've, you know, found, it seems like there might be some kind of uh, yearly, annual occultic big party bash where weird things happen. Uh, and I, I didn't know if you have ever heard of such things in your research. Well, yeah, in you know, in a general sense, um,
1: occultists and terrorists—not that they do the same things, but they <laughs> share a, uh, a a similar adherence to um, calendars, you know, important dates. Of course, um, that would not surprise me that there'd be something like that going on out there because all manner of interesting things go on out in that desert, and you know, they can expect pretty much all the privacy they need. When you go out there yourself, you see exactly um, uh, how it's very conducive to privacy like that. And 29 Palms is um, right there, right there next to um, uh, where the Integratron that I mentioned before is located. Um, The uh, fence line for the base comes right up to, the ridge there. And when you're out in Joshua tree, it's a huge base, huge base. And, um, you know, you can see all sorts of interesting things going on, particularly when they're doing exercises, that kind of, uh, thing, which makes it even more interesting that there's any, you know, any kind of occult activity going on so close to a military installation. But again, it's so big that, um, a lot of it is just open desert. You know mm. exactly like what's on the other side of the fence, but um, this area, what I referred to as the Inland Empire, which is San Bernardino Valley, Riverside, and um, like Rancho Cucamonga, and into what's called Upland and all that. This is well known for um, occult groups and um, good old fashioned Satan worship, specifically. So, uh, you know, Southern California has got a big history of that throughout the region and the desert communities are just a great place to do all manner of weird things and not be seen.
0: You know, uh, I've only been to California one time. Uh, It was in 2017. I went to San Francisco for my uh, for for vacation before my son was born with my wife. And uh, so I, I don't I've never spent a whole lot of time out there. but based off of what you just said with, and I didn't expect to go this, to go this route. We'll, we'll circle back to the UFO stuff in a second. But sure. um, based off of what you just said with the 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 history of, you know, the good old fashioned Satan worship in, in Southern California, I think you said. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a, so you, I'm sure you've heard the conspiracy theorists and all that stuff. And and I've talked to people who have had some very dark experiences inside the Hollywood industry. Do you think that that mm-hmm. kind of uh, culture actually has seeped into Hollywood? Or do you think that's something that maybe uh, is more fabrication than not?
1: Anywhere that you have people in any kind of culture where power is essential, that social power, you are going to have somebody dabbling in such arts. Some people call them the black arts just because of, you know, the, the nature of the intention right now UFOs and the occult go hand in hand. My one UFO experience that I've had happened on the night of the very same day that I was investigating, um, what appears to be some, again, I use those words, esoteric and arcane, um, technology, so to speak. Um, And I totally connect that UFO experience I had with what I was doing out at this location where this thing
0: is painted on the ground. Wow. So do you you think that, I mean, I guess just go into that then. I mean, what, what was this experience? like? What were you looking into the day of that you had that experience? Well, this thing that I found
1: painted on the ground, I had found years before. And I went out with an associate um, and we measured um, all the dimensions of this, this figure painted on, the, uh, 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 it's it's painted on blacktop or cement on a, uh, a lot of private property. So I don't identify the property, um, kind of private, semi-public. And... I had had some really wild experiences um, standing in the middle of this thing some years before. In fact, four years prior to seeing the UFO, I had seen the vision of a goddess on a hillside. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't mean like a woman standing there in a costume, glowing bright like some ancient Greek goddess. Um, What it was was the image of um, uh, like a portrait, head and shoulders. Of the ancient goddess Athena, complete with the owl on her shoulder, wearing her helmet, and it was as if it was um kind of burned naturally into the hillside um, now i I did some follow up research, and there were no schools out there with no mascots of Spartans or Athena or anything like that and it was the only time I've ever seen it and um at that time, I had not, I had never seen it again. And so, you know, four years later, I finally get around to, hey, maybe I should measure the dimensions of this thing in case somebody, my thought was somebody might paint over it. Um, you know, somebody who doesn't know what the heck it is. So we went out there, measured all the dimensions, and then later that evening, this object, which um, <coughs> dome-top, flat bottom um, comes flying, floating over my neighborhood from the general direction of the location of this thing painted on the ground that I told you about. (coughs) It stops over the house. Another member of the household is the one who came in to tell me about it. I run outside, (coughs) excuse my cough. I run outside. And there this thing is. I run in, get my camera, and I caught it on video. <clears throat> um, it's up there. There's there's this illumination inside spinning around, rotating. It's silent. No sound. It's not making any sound. And then it starts uh, moving away. And as it moves away, it's dumping this molten substance, this white-hot molten substance, over the side profusely. Um. And and then it moved away in the general cardinal direction that you would go out to the Integratron, the um, Yucca Valley, Joshua Tree area. So I look at the video and um, as gets reported more often than people realize, it was as if the object was farther away than our eyes were seeing it on the video. Um, the video did not look as clear as what we were seeing with our eyes. The object looked farther away. So while I do have video of the event and I was able to, you know, do screen captures of it, it is in no way de- as detailed as our eyes were seeing. Now, of course, I made the other witness describe to me tell me what you're seeing be specific and he did and so he, i in that way i was able to verify and confirm that he was seeing exactly what i was seeing so <clears throat> following the path that this thing took um i found a a charcoal like substance Along the the direction, you know, remember I told you there was this molten stuff dropping. Well, I found this charcoal-like substance that when I tried to gather it carefully into a baggy like it's evidence, it pretty much crumbled into dust. And it wasn't until years later that um, uh, I, you know, I had drawn the thing. And I'm studying the drawing and I'm saying, wow, this thing looks really familiar. And then it dawns on me that the shape of the UFO was identical to the dimensions and the shape of the domed top of the Integratron building itself. Wow! And um, the fact that it moved in the direction of the Integratron Generally, I mean, you know, you'd have to drive an hour or so to get there. Uh, I I found that to be not insignificant. Well, subsequent research, which I'm still pulling threads on, um, has revealed to me that there may very well be a connection between the Integratron and this thing that I found painted. Out on the, on this lot of this property, um, north of San Bernardino. So I'm in the middle of still trying to explain this, but nothing about this experience uh, uh, appears to have had anything to do with extraterrestrials or, you know, people from other planets. Um, it, it appears to have had everything to do with whatever this thing is. I call it the mandala. Um, whatever this thing is painted on the ground, whatever it actually is. And I do have some ideas, but I'm working them out. Um, And it's something that could definitely be used for some type of ritual magic or contacting other dimensions, um, one could argue. And with the experience I had of, of what I saw on the mountainside, I followed through on that. When I had made the connection of the shape of the UFO to the Integratron and using Google Earth, I was able to find features in the terrain that, in my opinion, on that particular day, at that particular time, the way the sunlight was shining on the hillside, um, I think I found the uh, features that from a particular angle looked exactly like the image of Athena with the owl on her shoulder so um it has been really interesting to look into this from that perspective and um find even more reason uh, that it to oh I guess I, I not identify it with the typical all UFOs or ET. I come from the perspective that there's something else going on. Um you know something that might be Jungian, you know, from Carl Jung's perspective, something that might be from, you know, what John Keel um tells us in his writing and what Jacques Vallée used to tell us in his earlier best research. Um that there's, you know, somebody else here sharing this reality with us and they communicate with these things and in other strange ways so that's a whole other you know way of uh looking at ufos that again has been around and pointed out but isn't quite as popular or hasn't been quite as popular as the whole et thing you know but it's um, there nonetheless
0: Oh, it's absolutely there. And what you're saying, and I'm not familiar exactly with w- what those guys said it, what about the phenomenon, but I'm I'm kind of getting what you're hinting at here. Uh, and if I'm correct, you're pointing more towards an interdimensional, uh, yeah, aspect. Uh, I mm-hmm. that that's something that I have been increasingly on the train of over the last, I'd say, three or four years. Uh, before mm-hmm. that, I wasn't sure. I just when it came to I e. T. I wasn't really. Uh, I, I did, the jury was still out for me. I was just like, I don't know what these things are. I don't know because uh, I mean, I I wasn't putting it past the idea that it was our own government doing weird experiments on people. And uh, I uh, the more I've become aware of other dimensions, the reality that there are things popping in and out of those dimensions, uh, the more it's conceivable that what we're dealing with is something that didn't come light years away, but rather they exist here just in a different realm. And Mm -hmm. um, what's interesting is that you say that and uh, that we can say, well, all right. So we can segue kind of into what's been coming out. Um, I I am interested at some point here to kind of maybe backtrack a little bit and kind of dig more into how, the UFO phenomenon and the occult kind of intertwine for you, and I'm assuming it has a lot to do with summoning and, and interdimensionalism. Um, and and does that mean that our own government is probably pursuing some kind of occultic way to communicate with these these things? I'm just throwing it out there, uh, but. David I think his last name is Grush right is that how you pronounce it Grush David Grush
1: Yeah Grush is the he's the the recent one that's been offered to us
0: Yes all right so the way <laughs> the way you say that uh is I love it okay because I was just texting with uh, are you familiar with Tim Tim Pool on on YouTube Oh yeah okay yeah. so I'm friends with with several of his people that work for him and I was texting with uh, Shane Cashman this morning about this and uh and Shane and I are kind of on the fence about this whole thing because there's a I kind of fall on this idea that there are truths and lies in a lot of things that get released and they, they yes. give you the pieces of truth that they want to give you surrounded by a bunch of lies to keep you off on the off on the wrong trail um yeah when i and i don't know much about david grush at all Uh, But when this all came out, he struck me as somebody who was just being overly matter of fact about things that I felt like Mm -hmm. in my, in my gut, I was like, if I'm going to, if I had this, this, this information to drop and I'm going to do this, I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be straight face. I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be like, uh, Mm -hmm. but, but he was just more like, well, believe it or not. Yep. And it's just like, Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But I was texting with, uh, with, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Darcy Weir, uh, but yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so I'm friends with Darcy as well. And, and Darcy's very Mm -hmm. much on board with supporting David. Uh, and, and I told Darcy, I said, I just don't know, um, how I feel about it. Uh, but one thing is David talks about things that you kind of hinted at here. Uh, about the the one he didn't want to say alien, he said NHI, mm-hmm. which is non human intelligence, and he talks okay. about NH, NHI uh, existing in other planes of of, uh, of reality okay. here on Earth, and I was right. like, well, that kind of jives with what I think, and I and I just wonder, are there pieces of truths that are being re- 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 released strategically? Uh, or is he sincere? I, I, I mean, I'm kind of just loading the chamber right now for you to let you just kind of go wherever you want. And mm-hmm. I and I f- feel free to disagree with me or anybody else. I'm, I'm fine with that. I just want to hear your thoughts on the matter.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, where I stand on it, um, just because my personal experience with a UFO has not been in the ET variety. I do think ET's have been coming here for ages and continue to do so. I just think that they explain a very small percentage of legitimate UFO reports. Cause let's face it. There's a lot of people out there that just want to be part of the fun. So it's kind of a different brand of me too. I saw one too. I saw (laughs) one too. And so people report stuff that, that isn't true, but of the stuff that's legitimate ET presents, in my opinion, a m- very small slice. And, and really, so do, I, I think the interdimensional thing represents a much bigger percentage than ET represents. But still, I throw it out there, <coughs> um, in my opinion, 90% of legitimate UFO sightings are Classified human technology in some stage of development or use. Now, as far as Grush is concerned, here's the thing. Okay, you know, oh gee, here's his angle. He's going to include the these NHIs. Well, this is a theme that's been out in our community now for a few decades. Okay. I see Grush as this. He has the pedigree of, you know, the U S military Intel community. He, he looks to me like good soldier, good airman, who's in the air force, um, doing another Intel gig, which in my opinion is gonna, it, it has something to do with perception management, um, relative to our technology. In other words, the UFO community is not the primary intended audience of this kind of thing. It is, a side audience. What they want to do is control the narrative in the UFO community. So they, they put this guy out here. He's one of many that in my opinion has been paraded out in front of us since 2017. Yes, I am referring to Elizondo and all that, that stuff that got a bunch of newbies excited. Um, he, he, he says enough. Things that will perk the ear. Grush says enough things that will perk the ears of people in the community. And they're hoping that it will, um, for instance, mentioning the NHIs, that that'll give, ooh, some type of gravitas. This isn't just another ET UFO guy. See, we're hip to what's really going on, guys. And could this be real stuff? Well, here's the thing he is no real whistleblower, in my opinion. Um, because there appears to be zero consequence to him being a whistleblower, to him revealing anything. Um, when you do that, particularly if you're going to do that from the intelli- military intelligence community, believe me, um, y- your experience is going to be much more like that of Gary McKinnon, you know, where you gotta stay away from the US and uh, you know, or Julian Assange, where you know you gotta hole up somewhere because that machine's gonna come at you. If you're a real whistleblower and you're really intending to reveal true information, You're not going to be smiling and casual and lackadaisical and appearing on interviews here and there. Um, Another thing you're not going to do if you're a real whistleblower. I hate to say it to our community, but a real whistleblower on this stuff ain't going to talk to you or me or even Coast to Coast or that boob, Jeremy Corbell. They're not going to talk to anybody in our community, okay? I'm sorry. They're going to be going right to like them or not, good or not, they're going to go to those mainstream news sources, okay? Or they're going to use the internet to just kind of do a big reveal that can't be easily controlled, showing their evidence. And they're going to be prepared for um, you know, federal agents to come knocking down the door if they can find them. So you know any number of reasons why you can question this Grush guy. The the most obvious uh, being, you know, he's just too, just too casual and relaxed about it. So it looks to me like, um, off the top of my head, it looks to me like one of two things. He's either on uh, a perception management assignment, okay, still taking instructions from the military uh, intelligence community. Um, or he's off active duty. He's done with his duty and he's looking to, um, you know, establish himself in something fun, you know, the UFO community or, or whatever. But, um, as far as being a legitimate whistleblower, that's going to reveal something to us that we don't know, um, that I say, no. Um, however, I do know this from personal experience in perception management you often use something that's called passage material. Now that usually comes into play in double agent operations, but your passage material is usually what you give the target um, to establish your bona fides. Like if you want to pretend, if you're going to be a double agent, you're going to pretend I'm mad at America. I want to sell these secrets or I need the money because 99% of American traders do it for the money. We have a very bad but well-known reputation around the world that American traders, they're doing it for the money 90% of the time. Wow. 99% of the time. Anyway, for for whatever your, your ruse is, I'm mad at America, I want to sell you this stuff. Well, you don't want to give them 100% fake stuff because their scientists and their technicians are going to look at that and go this is BS. You want to give them some legit stuff so that their scientists, the S&T guys can go, "Oh, this is their real technology. Oh, wow, okay, this is the real deal. This guy might be the real deal." So, it's just uh, operational wisdom and and tactical wisdom to include some truth, some reality in your passage material. Now in a perception management operation, um, which I think all these former U S government guys in UFO land for the last, you know, several years, number of years actually are doing perception management. um, That passage material is going to be the little things that get hinted at, like Grush talking about NHI. So in the sense of keeping to, the, 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 the known tactical wisdom of using passage material, yes, we could get a little legitimate info, but I'm going to say that that legitimate info isn't really going to be too far off of things that we in the community have figured out on our own or already know through other means. And and they're just going to build their BS on top of that. And the intention is to get us off on a narrative. In other words, <clears throat> if we're getting too close to the truth by not looking at the ET hypothesis, they're going to come out and push the ET hypothesis heavily, just like they've been doing since 2017. Imagine that. They really want us back on the ET track. They really want us thinking about ET. Um, They don't want us thinking about advanced technology. Um, And what's interesting is, okay, Grush's little allusion to NHI is notwithstanding. I, I, I think there's probably reason that they might not want us looking too close at the interdimensional thing, particularly if that has anything to do with the technology that they're they're trying to hide. Um, the other side of the technology thing though with perception management is that they kind of want to they kind of want to brandish it without admitting to the public exactly what it is. Here's where it can get tricky um, because they know that the intended target, say Chinese military tech guys, Russian military tech guys, they know that that being the intended target, they'll interpret it for most likely what it really is. Like the tic-tac video, advanced Navy technology, that's U S military technology being developed. And anybody who says otherwise is just not doing their homework and, and just doesn't want to accept that. Now the Chinese and the Russians from the get-go, I guarantee you, they knew what that was. Now, people would say, well, then why don't they reveal that it's just the technology? Well, here's the problem. If they have spies close to the development of these technologies, they don't want to blow those operations, okay? And if they're developing their own versions of, of let's say, the Tic Tac technology, um, They don't want to reveal that. So in this ironic way, they don't spill the beans that it's, that they suspect that it's U.S. technology because they don't want the U.S. to know how much they recognize that as technology. And it's this game of layers and maneuvers and stuff. And the public, the American UFO public in particular is caught in the, in the middle of all this and they're easy to dupe. Because all you got to do is, you know, get them excited to think that this is it. This is disclosure, which never really happens. Um, uh, so I, I see Grush as just another, another player in this perception management game that's going on. Now, the dangerous side of that is... When they're getting us to look at UFOs, if you'll notice, if you pay attention to what you know, going back a few years, Lou Elizondo and others have said, and again, we again have these military people coming out. They keep, they have alluded to the potential threat from space. Um, That's a whole discussion. When you get into the alleged Warner von Braun deathbed confession, which there's. Big reason to question that. Um, At the very least, question the interpretation that's been laid on it. Um, So, are they attempting to use, uh, to set up a threat narrative in order to pull some Patriot Act type maneuvers on the public? Or um, are we indeed as close to a global war conflict as I think we are? And are they just trying to? maneuver imposition position things for when that ball drops, you know, we're in the best position we can be in to counter whatever's coming. Um, at which point even the UFO community, ET believing community will think it's lucky stars that Tic Tac did turn out to be some type of advanced military technology, particularly if it works and it defends people, they'll be quick to drop this, uh, ET thing. Um, hmm. But, uh, it's, uh, as you can see in what I've just said, <laughs> all of this that I've said, how murky and multi-layered that whole world of perception management mm-hmm. can be. And, um, it's just a lot easier sometimes for a lot of people to just believe the false narrative that is the popular one and the popular false narrative. in all of this, in my opinion, is that, um, this has anything to do with ETs and that we're on the verge of disclosure. I- I don't think so. The ETs are going to disclose themselves whenever they darn well <laughs> please. They're not going to care what our government or military thinks.
0: And, and 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 the ETs, whether it's ET from light years away or the interdimensional, listen, if there are yeah. beings and civilizations of beings that have the ability traver- to traverse realms so easily and take craft that they've made in other realms with them to do such things, like they're going to do it whenever they want to do it, not on our schedule. Uh, and, and so, I uh, listen, you mentioned so many things here and, you know, like, it's one of those things where you're sitting here you're like, Oh, but let him talk, let him talk and just try to remember. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, let me, let me add No, and no, don't I, be sorry. Like, like, honestly, I like, do go on <laughs> that's as somebody who does interviewing. That's perfect. Uh, but so you mentioned several things here, but one of the things that I've been saying like on my Instagram live and just when I'm talking to people, maybe I'm off on this. I might, I might be, I might be, uh, being, be, uh, pure subject to propaganda to the point that I don't even remember things clearly, but I feel like in 2017 and I think in 2020, because I remember saying this before, I think in 2020, I said this be, in 2020, but I feel like maybe in 2017, they said, we're in possession of of craft that were not made here on earth. And then I feel like in, in 2020, they said something like similar to that because I remember saying, they already said this. And now in 2023, they're doing it again. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. when 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 Grush came out and said this, I was like, and everybody's freaking out. Like the first couple of days, I didn't even look at it because I was just like, not interested because they've already said this, and maybe yeah. maybe I'm living in a weird universe where time is replaying on me and not other people. <laughs> but I feel like we've been down this road before, where they said we're we're in possession of things that weren't made here on Earth, and every time I was like, "Well, yeah," they already said that. They already said this to people, and it, to, to me, it makes me feel even more like they're trying. Like I'm in the middle of a mass psyop on the human, you know, collective consciousness. Yeah
1: because all they ever do is just keep saying it. They don't show anything. They don't offer anything. And so talk is cheap. And that's what we're used to hearing is just nothing but talk. Um, Of course, whatever they do have, they don't want to show us because that gets into the discussion of knowledge is power, right? And if you go showing everything you have from these others, um, the other you know, nations, powers of the world, um, they'll hold back. And so you, you won't know what they have to what extent they have. And, um, it, it's so, there's so much human politics in the mix on this stuff. Um, not to mention the, the, the mystery, you know, it, it's, what do we not know that really scares the hell out of our leaders, you know? (laughs) Um, But the, uh, yeah, the repeating of the things they've already said that all that is, is reinforcing the narrative. If you go back to the history of MKUltra and, um, you know, you look at that, you totally see what they're doing. Okay. This all has to do with laying a false narrative, um, controlling the narrative, which is really what they uh what i mean by that is you know the military industrial complex the the us national security community they want to control the narrative particularly on this um going back to the von braun thing you know the truth may be a, a lot of people like to say there's no threat from outer space um at all because von braun said that it was a lie well no that's not exactly what we're told that von braun said he said that they would use an intelligent threat from space against us in, in uh, political, governmental ways. He didn't actually say that a threat from space itself was a lie. And this is what troubles me with people in our community, particularly other researchers and hosts and stuff. Um, it just isn't logical that in the vastness of space, there you know, there's going to be intelligent, advanced civilizations, and to really think that they're all friendly and well-meaning, a just because they've achieved advanced space travel technology, and b because Werner von Braun, I remind you, a former SS officer, <laughs> in <a> Nazi structure, <laughs> right? Who who? And I'm working on a book on this whole. On a, my, on a particular research perspective relative to Operation Paperclip. Um, but, you know, we're hanging this, there is no threat from space on this childish idea that once you achieve a certain level of technology, you have to embrace peace, you know, or you're not going to be able to use it. What the heck is that? That's, it's childish. And then, to, and then the other thing is the Von Braun uh, thing. We have one witness to the Von Braun deathbed confession one. And she's a nice lady. I've met her, but a, at the very least, I say she misinterpreted whatever it was he said. Um, if he did say these things, but that's a whole other discussion. I, I just, I don't think it's realistic that there's not going to be some, um, threat from out intelligent threat from outer space. And let's say that Let's say that that is known. Let's say more about them is known than we're told. Um, Maybe even that they are on their way. And a lot of this perception management is, and technology development has to do with um, getting ready to counter whatever's coming. Uh, That you have to consider. To me, you have to consider that that's possible if you accept that there's going to be intelligent um technologically advanced civilizations from outer space not all of them are going to have our best interests at heart some of them are going to be hell bent on conquest you know and wow. and it, so i mean think about it. it it's illogical to think otherwise and again mm-hmm. i use the word childish because Um, that's exactly what it is. It's childish and foolish to think otherwise, to assume that, oh, gee, any threat, any narrative about a threat from space must be that darn, you know, only the deep state. Mm. Now the deep state will lie to us about how much they know about a threat from space. They will absolutely take advantage of the idea of that threat to control us even more right but that doesn't mean that there is no threat from outer space and I think that's the big irony in this discussion is that I I think there there is a threat a known threat in outer space that um, may be headed this way and I'm I'm not in the deep state I you know, I quit working that for we know years, of. And years and years ago. Yeah. That, you know, of. Uh, believe me, I'll tell you, I'd be getting a paycheck if I were, um, I, I'd have, um, better headphones
0: and a better haircut because <laughs> <laughs> they'd be paying me. Hey uh, man, I see through the cover and stuff. <laughs> no, I, uh, so it's interesting you say this because you were talking about uh we were t- we were just talking about you know releasing pieces of truth to to mm-hmm. m- make sure the B S meter doesn't go totally off uh right. and 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 David talks about this towards the end of the interview he talks about how not all these um and now he's talking he I think he's more referring to a, the NIH of interdimensional beings not N A H as in like extraterrestrial but right. It's the idea that he said not all of them are benevolent. He said there are malevolent. And he referred to some of these throughout history have killed human beings. And so yeah. uh, it, it kind of falls in line with what you were saying with the give a little piece of information now, but also with what you were just saying about the threat from space. So yeah. this is a topic that I don't know if I've ever really truly breached on the show. Uh, clearly you've mm-hmm. thought about it. Uh, what does a war with extraterrestrial beings, beings that that intelligent beings from other worlds, galaxies, whatever, what does a war brought to our front doorstep here at Earth look like to you? Well, if
1: you're talking about with a civilization, an extraterrestrial civilization with um, a certain level of technology, and this is where I identified the. The idea that, oh, they must be peaceful is childish because look at our civilization. Look how much of our advanced technology was originally for military development, or at least gets applied to military development. So if you have a civilization coming from another star, another planet, and it's able to get itself here in force, in mass force, then that war looks horrific that war looks like something we cannot stand up to because they'll be bringing with them such destructive power and force and i would venture to say some degree of um disregard for uh, you know what happens to us um <clears throat> i i think it looks like uh, conquest time you know, we could be easily conquered by a civilization um, advanced enough just to get itself here from another planet or another star. <clears throat> now, there are other ways that they could do it. If, particularly, if they're on a commiserate level with us, let's say you got a civilization that um, you know is only—let's it, it, say it's hiding out there on Mars or or what have you. And um, it has uh, space travel about to the extent that we have. Well, they could do other things like uh, infiltrate agents. That's another thing I'll, I'll tell you that um, I think. I think one of the dirty little secrets of what they know about extraterrestrials is that there's human beings exactly like us originating having originated on other worlds Hmm. this idea that only humans like us could only have started and only be found here on earth well okay mr Um, scientists and biologists when you have visited every habitable planet in the universe and you find not one human being like us not one having you know developed their um or or you know out there off of earth then you can say that earth is the only place you'll find humans like this because until you do that shut up and sit down because you don't know what you're talking about by saying that but that's the arrogance of our scientific community now if they are human beings think how easy it would be to infiltrate okay they could just drop them here on this planet live among us okay, to uh, intermix among us. I say that was done thousands of years ago. I think one of the things in this push for um, DNA collection, one of the things they're looking for um, is how much off-planet DNA we all have. And I think by now, probably every human being on this planet to some degree has some type of off planet human DNA. And I, I think the, the authorities know that, but they could come here. Um, they could infiltrate. In fact, that's what you would do. You would send your spies first, your agents to uh, move among us and to assess, do the recon, right? The attack could be, here we go. This has been in science fiction for decades. The attack could be some type of biological attack. In fact, that would be the easiest thing to do. You know, wipe us out with some type of disease yeah, um, or bacteria or take us over in that way. If the science fiction authors have been thinking about this for 100 years, then, you know, smarter people than even they, um, you know, particularly if they're on another world, which we know little to nothing about, could think of this. And it would be very effective. In fact, it, it would be much better than an open military conflict. Even though I argue that um, we are going to face um, at some point, because I think it's happened in our past, you go back to the Vedic writings, it's definitely happened in our past, and that stuff also shows up in writings you know, after the Vedic um, stuff. Um, but we are going to face a technologically advanced civilization that c- could just smack us around that can come here and just call the shots and you know i we better hope they're benevolent because if they're not they're not going to care how that makes people feel they're not going to care about pipsqueak voices in a ufo community and you know uh the u.s or wherever um with this uh, deep state idea or, or that Werner von Braun said otherwise idea, they're not going to care. They're going to say, uh, it's not even going to register. They're just going to come here and do whatever they do, um, in conquest. Uh, but, um, it, it'll be anywhere from, I would say an infiltration with, with biological warfare or, To the other extreme of open combat using weapons that will be nightmarish to us compared to ours. Um, You're talking stuff on the 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 Tesla envisioned, you know, the kind of stuff that can twist a planet. Um, The kind of stuff in Star Wars, like with the Death Star. You know, yeah, we're talking that severe, Um, and, and and every diabolical type of weaponry you could you could think of in between you have to consider all these um, when you're talking about a technologically advanced civilization okay and um, so a a war with a civilization from off world will be i say a nightmare
0: but that's just me
1: well, just uh, my opinion.
0: No, I, I, I agree. I mean, like, first of all, war is a nightmare. I mean, it, this, yeah. this whole it's hell enough the way we do it. Yeah, and and, and you know the, the the world we live in, where you know, I feel like it's all upside down because I look around, and there's people who are like. Yeah, you know we should definitely do this war thing over here in this country. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, you know what it is? though? So we live in a society where we haven't seen war breach our our shores in a, a, a ever really. I mean, in a very long time. I mean, none of our lifetimes, and uh, we have no truth of uh, up close a personal attachment to what exactly. war actually is. Uh, except for the soldiers who have been overseas, seen it firsthand, and go ahead and listen to Sean Ryan's show, and when he talks to people that uh, you know can't that, that come from military backgrounds, and they tell their stories of the horror stories they've had, uh, and yeah. that's just with human yeah. beings.
1: Uh, you're describing and, and the a, technology that we're aware of. I mean, imagine right. another civilization coming with some type of their soldiers have some type of weapon that you know makes what happened at d day and what you see depicted in saving private ryan makes that look like child's play i, I mean i I'm not trying to just paint horror after horror after horror but that's that's what people have to consider
0: yeah and i i agree i absolutely agree uh it, it's just logical thinking if there is uh, a civilization that has the technology to pursue coming here and they can successfully do it off efficiently to the point they bring people with them and, or or whatever they are lots of them and their, their artillery the war all that like it, it's it's beyond comprehension uh, mm-hmm. at the, at, of their ability uh and you you mentioned about uh about these things coming and and, and warring here uh i imagine that would be a very very quick war unless the technology that they have been building, uh, is for such a time. Um, now I would say there's, we were talking about malevolent beings coming here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would imagine there's an equal opportunity for benevolent, like you mentioned, but maybe even benevolent arriving, or maybe it has already arrived ahead of the malevolent, and they're they're aiding right. and we and, and again we hear i think it was eisenhower that supposedly had this uh, agreement with with et was it eisenhower or i always get the presidents wrong Do
1: you, well and the, and there's a lot of bs in that realm sure. too you know that um, i from my perspective what you're describing goes back to ancient times we're told that there was this war in the cosmos We like to call it heaven. And the losers of that war, that battle, are banished out of heaven, whatever it is. Interestingly, we have these uh, traditions of these advanced knowledge um, people, because they look like human beings, arriving on the shores of various places around the world and bringing those human civilizations up to a higher level, teaching them certain things now you see this in the story of Quetzalcoatl and Viracocha and you see this in the very interesting uh, Tua de, de Danan um bring them up to level and then go off and you know say hey keep keep developing your civilization well what does that look like to you well we've got a war out in the cosmos we have survivors of that war one side coming to this world and wanting to teach the people they find here how to raise their level of civilization so that they can perhaps ultimately counter the adversary of the ones doing the teaching so you could look at all that and yes that resonates with what we're told in here in 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 biblical scripture about the fallen angels well you know you have to consider Um, if you're looking at it just purely intellectually, um, what if those guys, those fallen angels were merely the losing side in a war? Um, because the beings that have come down and been identified as those teaching civilization and, and, um, how to build your military and stuff, they've been identified with the so-called fallen angels for a long time as well. Um, so what if they just happen to be the losing side in a particular ancient war and they're the ones that are guiding us, bringing us through the ages up to a certain technological level of development? Some, much of it kept secret for the very purpose of being more ready than an approaching adversaries recon would report. Um, there, there could be that going on. Particularly when you look at the Vedic culture history, and you t- you look at the war in the Mahabharata, um, <coughs> um, and it talks about all this advanced technology and you know these flying things from space, the vimanas, and all of that. Um, we have these reasons to suspect that this kind of scenario has been going on. That maybe we do have an ally, a benevolent ally, from. Um, outer space that is here to help us counter becoming threatening, um, uh, malevolent civilization. So it, 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 this is a game that's played across ages, so it's easy for uh, with subsequent generations to forget the reality of what might have happened thousands of years ago and just see it as mythology. Until here they are again, and it happens again. So, you know, there are clues that this kind of thing is going on. And, um, uh, but to answer your question or to comment on what you said, yeah, if we don't have an ally in this on their level, it will be quick. It will be very quick because, because why not? You know, a a lesser civilization, you want to hit them quick and then tell them how it is.
0: Right and uh, and when you were describing that it the the idea of human beings versus ants came to my mind cuz you you were talking about how it would be so swift and they would just be it would be a matter of not even a emo- like the, the way you described it is like it's not even emotion there was no thought behind it it's just like this is what we do we're just wiping you away and that's how like, yeah, why but, should they care? Like, like the, ant, the carpenter ants go getting into my new built shed. Like I'm just wiping those things away. I'm not even thinking about, I'm not feeling about, I'm not thinking about how they feel. I'm not thinking about the, the, the ants communicating to each other. And like, oh, he would never do that. Cause he's so big. He wouldn't see us. I'm not thinking about anything like that. I'm just wiping them away. And I, I feel like that's well, kind of,
1: yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it'd be. And also think about, you know, something else, um, uh, going back to the DNA thing, right? What if they're looking for how many of us have how much off-earth human DNA in our system? Um, and what if there's a number of us who actually are unwitting, at the momentarily unwitting uh, recon agents, for example, okay, who could be. Activated at the time of the invasion, okay deep sleeper agents, and there's something in the DNA that allows our parent civilization to flip a switch in our minds and then therefore we're, we realize who and what we are, and suddenly we're working for them, okay Now you say, oh wow that's that's really science fiction, but look how that idea. Could be used through religion, organized religion. What are people often taught, particularly in the West? People have a belief that my devotion to my religion and my church, my religion, is stronger than my devotion, say, to my country. Hmm, there's an interesting concept if you think you're dealing with spiritual matters when actually you're religion has conditioned you to give your allegiance to these other beings from this other place which your church call or temple or whatever calls heaven but might just simply be another star or another galaxy or whatever so you think you're responding to an almighty being or the angels from god coming from across space you're on their team you're on god's team you'll turn even against your own country therefore You know, it'd be easier for you to, you know, activate and do something, say, against your own military. Um, And these angels that you think are coming from God are actually just the invading force from an extraterrestrial civilization. Oh, whose DNA you have inherited through your bloodline, um, because long, long ago, their agents came here and and mixed. Um, You see the possible scenario in that. and how easy it would be to uh, manipulate people into um, d- being committed to whatever this mission is if you just get it into their heads that this all involves God and angels. Um, it It is a heinous abuse of the human psyche. Yes. Um, but... As they say, all's fair in love and war. And a civilization that would do something like that isn't going to care about whose feelings they hurt. Here, their job is to effectively invade and conquer. And uh, again, it, conquest of us would be so easy by um, an advanced off-world civilization that um, it's it's not fun to think about.
0: No, no, not at all. Uh, you, you've mentioned uh, several times here uh, the idea of uh, it sounds sci-fi, but uh, I think we're starting to transition into, uh, well, at least for me, at least, I'm very comfortable going that route because I feel like we're living in what was once sci-fi. It, it This was sure. this, what we're living in. Was supposed to be science fiction. This wasn't supposed to be possible. There wasn't supposed to be any governments holding uh, 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 organized research into UFOs and uncovering craft that weren't made on Earth. And yes, we have bodies. All this stuff and interdimensional talk and other mm-hmm. realms here on Earth. Like this is science fiction to begin with. And and if. Yeah. If we, we we sit back and we say, oh, well, that you know, it, what Walter's saying is is sci-fi, so it, it's not real. But at, at what point do you start considering things to be a possibility when the government tells you it's okay to say that? Because if that's the case, then you're living in the current times of what sci-fi was yesterday is now okay for you to think of because the government says it's okay, but don't think too far or else you're going to call the the next person a, a conspiracy theorist or they're crazy or they're just living in fantasy world. It, reality is Twenty years ago, uh, your twenty. Let's see, twenty years ago, I, I was graduating high school twenty years ago, and twenty years ago when I was graduating high school, this conversation is something I I never thought would be possible. I never in a million years. Right. Like like I, I I would walk out of the movie theater of a good Marvel movie saying, "Man, wouldn't that be something if it was real?" And now I look back and I'm like. A lot of that stuff's real, <laughs> and so, like, you know, my, we've come a far way, you know, a long way here in twenty years, and um, yeah, I just don't think it's impossible anymore. I just don't. I, I think. Well, that, go ahead.
1: Well, we've we've come a long way since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, going back to the nineteenth century. I mean, look at the twentieth century alone. We started the twentieth century with these rudimentary, you know, rinky tink biplane things, you know, just beginning to, you know, fly in the air. And we ended it with already having gone to the moon and, you know, doing all the stuff with jet aircraft and spacecraft and everything just in the span of a hundred years. What the heck, what exactly the heck, but as far as here's my perspective, uncle Sam, so to speak, military industrial complex, what have you, whoever deep state. They don't care what you talk about until you happen to be getting too close to a truth that they don't want out there. Case in point, between 2000, oh, I want to say between 2012 and 2015, there were a series of conferences called the Secret Space Program conferences. And the speakers were legitimate down to earth researchers, okay? Uh, people from finance, people from technology, people from you know historical perspective. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, <coughs> uh, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, Joseph Farrell, Paul LaViolette, um Michael Schrat, um, Mark McCandlish. You know, um, and and what they were doing was th- their research um, was effectively uncovering the actual evidence and threads of a classified space program that the public was unaware of and they did it through looking at where what the money trail was what the technology thread was well this appeared to by 2015 to be getting too close to the truth okay Because remember, this was before Space Force and all that. So in 2015, in our community, we saw the emergence of essentially the ridiculous crap of people like Corey Good and um, Randy Kramer and uh, all these other guys who claim to be secret space program time jumping bug fighting on other planet commandos. And what kept getting connected with those lies in fantasy stories was the term SSP, SSP, secret space program, secret space program, which is what these conferences were called and were investigating and presenting real data on. Well, what does that tell you? I was there at the 2014 conference and I witnessed U.S. military intelligence personnel you know, in, in their civilian clothes at this conference every day, taking notes. Okay. So they were paying attention to the legitimate SSP research community. And by 2015 along comes these fantasy storytellers and liars and the, the media in our community, um, the alternative research community started pushing these 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 liars and fakers and the guys telling the ridiculous wild stories and began to ignore essentially the speakers and researchers connected with the legitimate SSP research. What am I implying? Well, I'm implying exactly what, from my perspective, it looks like. They did not like the narrative of the legitimate SSP research and they had to derail it. So what they did was, they use their influence, they use their sources, they use their assets to make sure the spotlight where SSP, Secret Space Program, was concerned was aimed at the, these these storytelling liars. That's why... You know, Corey Good was everywhere on coast to coast and this show, and that, and the other, and Gaia, and all this, and and the Randy Kramers and the Andrew Bassiagos, and and um, you you name it. There's a handful of others. They were getting all the attention where the SSP discussion was concerned, and the guys that had been running those conferences that had a growing audience each year between 2012 and 2015, they could never put another one together. They can never get the investors, they could never just make it happen again, to counter the nonsense. So from my perspective, and you say, "Well Walter, why, how could the deep state get, you know, this guy or that guy on coast to coast?" I'll tell you exactly how it works," is this is how Intel agents work. You have your connections, your sources that you can reach out and you know get favors from. It'd be very easy for somebody in the military intelligence community to be acquainted with um, or have some type of relationship with any of the producers on a show, for example, like Coast to Coast or Jimmy Church or what have you. And I'm specifically mentioning the shows that pushed the nonsense. And it'd be very easy for you to reach out to that person and say, hey, you know, uh, if you really want to get the edge on all the others, you got to start, you got to have this guy on. Cause you know, you're going to, you're going to get that kind of inside information. And of course, you know, the people on these shows, they just want ratings. They just want views and listeners and they want to be able to say, we got the real stuff. Um, so naturally they're going to start having the nonsense peddlers come on because it would, you know, at the suggestion of a guy they know, um, you know who's in the the intel community there you go you can see where i'm going with this it it it's very easy to control a narrative um, particularly on a a popular cultural level um you know I, when i was an osi agent there was an actor <coughs> you can look him up going back to the 60s he was in the movie um uh, mysterious island a guy named Michael Kalen, C-A-L-L-A-N. Nice guy, familiar face to those of over a certain age. Um, one day, he and his production partner, a buddy of his, um, come walking into the OSI office in Los Angeles. And because at the time I was UFO guy with the detachment, um, I... Am told, you know, hey, meet with these guys, and and they wanted to offer us a deal. They said, hey, um, we want to offer you a deal where if the Air Force tells us exclusively the truth about UFOs and ETs, we'll produce a show and and get that info out there. And you know, I thought, oh wow, that's very generous of you, Mister Caitlin. You know, I mean, we're trying not to laugh, but um, uh, here's the thing: I took his contact information. And if he had been useful to Air Force intelligence or OSI in any way, he would have been contacted again and utilized um, in a way to get a narrative out to the UFO public or whatever. And he would have eaten it up like ice cream. Okay. Uh, because wow, he would feel like you know he's an insider with with the Air Force guys, and um, that's just one personal example of a contact I had that I could easily have cultivated into um, a perception management asset, and he would have been none the wiser. I, I could have done it one of two ways: he could have been witting or unwitting. So there's just one example. Um, I guarantee you, good military intelligence um, agents are out there cultivating relationships um, in the media of our community. Totally. um, Of course, they're going to do that. I I think it's obvious since 2017 with that nonsense New York Times article crap that keeps getting invoked, um, which was total spin in perception management. Of course, everyone knows the, the TTSA thing. And the sudden appearance of the what have became to be called the fanboys, you know, these guys who would just like rabbit attack dogs on Twitter. If you said anything, um, doubtful about TTSA or their big hero Lou, you know, they would converge upon you. Um, this stuff's no accident. Uh, n- none of it is. It was for whatever reason in 2017, it was time for a major, um, perception management up and this is how it's done you reach out and you touch those assets that you have cultivated and again i argue that um that uh, any ssp narrative in our community has been the product of perception management n- manipulation um and and who knows what else hmm. you know who knows what else you
0: know uh i I don't know if I've ever said this on the show before, but uh, early on in this podcast, I would say probably in the first year or so, I was approached by an individual uh, that asked me if I would be willing to essentially sow disinformation. Now, granted, I started the show in 2017 um, and it was early on in the show, but I was asked, and this guy was former CIA. uh, He says, right? He says, exactly. and he said, would you be willing to sow disinformation uh, once every 10 episodes? And he said that the people, his, the people he's been in touch with and stuff, they're, they're willing to offer $500,000, maybe even a million. And my BS meter went off right away. <laughs> but uh, I would be lying if I, if, I didn't, if I said I didn't sit there and think, man, $500,000 would get me out of complete debt. Pay off exactly. my house. You know? Exactly. And I, I the, the first thing I remember I was in my nineteen ninety-three Ford Ranger in 2017, yeah. and I'm driving down the road and I get off the phone and I, I I think for like two minutes and I call my dad and I'm like, Dad, guess what conversation I just had? And my dad said, Tony, if you ever accepted something like that, you'd never sleep with yourself or yeah, sleep with yourself. Yeah, you be, be able to sleep at night. Uh, no, I, I know <laughs> what you yeah. mean. You, you would never be able to live with yourself yeah, exactly that. you're absolutely and, right, and so and i said you're absolutely right and 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 I, I never even really considered it because i thought it was bs and since then that same individual has gone on the internet to disparage me and another uh podcaster be- really? because we oh. we stopped talking to him like gee i wonder why bro you know <laughs> so but um there's a uh yeah go ahead no, go ahead no, no, finish your thought.
1: Finish your thought. I'm sorry.
0: I, I in all honesty, I ADHD. I don't know what my final thought was. So a, t- <laughs> a lot of times I start talking and I don't know where it's gonna go until it comes out of my mouth. So
1: <laughs> well, you're you're talking about this kind of scenario. And in, in the last couple of years, there's emerged this character who calls himself Holden and he claims to work for the nasic. Uh, and um the the, the nasik is a unit at Wright Patterson Air Force Base. I'm very familiar with it because it would it would we would be in the um thread of who receives intel, air force specific intel. And um it was something that you really you know legitimately you're not really supposed to bandy about and talk about publicly, but in the last couple of years um the the NASIC has turned up on the public radar and um, there's this individual going around who calls himself Holden and has apparently pitched certain luminaries in the community. One of them being Scott Walter, the geologic uh, forensics scientist um, who uh, from what I understand from my sources, he just bought it hook, line and sinker, you know, oh, you're one of, you know, 10 special people who we're coming to, to, to get the word out about something. And that's the shtick that this Holden guy gave Walter, even, even visiting him at his home and showing him an official, you know, government ID, which, uh, <laughs> um, you know, in my career I had, um, seven different identities, each with official government ID, <laughs> and different names. So, I mean, come on people. Um, and uh, uh so so that that's a recent one of this guy going out there you, you know pumping people up saying oh you're one of a few that we're recruiting and you're going to help us get the word out apparently jacques Vallée was another one and um uh i boy i can't remember the the other names that i was told by my source but um but i haven't heard of any activity from this uh, Holden guy or the Nasic recently, it's kind of like that was spaghetti they were throwing on the wall at the time. Um, one of them, one of them is one of these alleged ten special ones that Holden was working. Was this young guy? He's based in England. He has a podcast, and I, I for the life of me, I can't remember his name or his show. But a couple of years ago, he was out there and kind of becoming more popular. And he claims to be one of the special ones that Holden of the NASIC uh, came to. And my point is, as I was learning about this from a source, an insider source that I had, insider meaning connected to the people involved, um, immediately I smelled – a rat as far as, you know, an Intel op. And I thought it was interesting that the air force would be willing to, (coughs) to kind of bandy about the, the NASIC, you know, be public with that. Um, What's very interesting too, is around this time that I, a couple of years ago that I was first learning about Holden and the involvement with the NASIC. If you go back and you can YouTube this, there was an active shooter situation At the NASIC building at wright Pat during uh, the the middle of this big Holden mystery. And it had the kind of a fishy sense to it in that, from my perspective, having been in Air Force law enforcement, federal law enforcement, um, it didn't look like a real active shooter situation. It looked more possibly like somebody was getting arrested you know, for whatever reason, um, or they were looking for something, uh, inside, uh, the, the NASIC that, you know, I found it to be a coincidence that as this Holden guy was making the rounds around the community, that that, um, alleged active shooter incident was happening inside the NASIC building. Absolutely. Uh, So, um, you know, it, 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 it th- those are the kind of things that pop up on my radar in a way that make me very suspicious of what people who claim to be interacting with these mysterious agents, um, you know, are saying.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, very suspicious indeed. Uh, let me ask you a question. How, how long do I have you today? Cause we didn't discuss it beforehand. I'm sorry, ask that again? How how long do I have you today because I I I didn't ask you that beforehand and and uh Oh, probably about another 50 minutes or so if that's okay. No, that that's that's fine with me. Um I I am actually going to uh I'm going I'm going I'm going to move into um uh, what I call overtime for members. So for the and next, I'm willing to come back in the future. If I would love know. to have you back. Cause I mean, w- sure. w- what we're going to touch about here in the overtime is like, mm-hmm. I mean, we, you have like you, like you have what, 14 books. And I'm looking at, some, I was looking at some of them, uh, the lost expedition of Sir Richard Francis Burton. Like I was like, yes, I don't know anything about it, but it sounds really interesting. And so, you know, it's things like that. I would love to have you back on. Uh, but sure. for the, for the people listening right now that aren't members, uh, let them know you know where they can find you. I know you have a YouTube channel, but as far as the books go, uh, I, where would you like them to purchase the books at, and things like that?
1: Well, um, I do. Um, my books are print on demand, and they're they're really good product. I I use Lulu, L-U-L-U.com, where you can go and find my books. They I use them as a printer distributor. They're not the publisher. I'm the publisher. I've been a publisher for 21 years now. And, um, but lulu.com also at walterbosley.com, uh, lostcontinentlibrary.com, uh, th- lost those places, but, uh, you, you can find them there. And those links, of course, you mentioned the Walter Bosley channel at YouTube. You can find the links to the books there, um, as well. So,
0: yeah. And if you want, just shoot me an email with any links you'd want me to put in the description. Uh, we'll do because I, I I always encourage my audience to check out, you know, the books and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, so moving into this, uh overtime segment, what we're gonna talk I, I wanna talk about a little bit of the SSP stuff that you were hitting on, but I do wanna get into your dad's experience, uh and and also maybe the if we have time, the occultic nature of the UFO phenomenon, uh, which we were talking about earlier. Uh so if you're if you're a member, head on over to the overtime section now. Uh now Well, that's the show, but I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show, just share the show. If you enjoyed it, that's the best thing you could do to help this show grow. Share the show. Check out the links in the description of his books. Go ahead and support his work. He has a lot of interesting books that you, I think my audience will absolutely enjoy. And if you're a member right now, we have the membership segment right now available to you on the website and the app. So if you want to hear the rest of this conversation, go check it out right now, members. And everybody else, thanks for being here. And until next Tuesday, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first, it'll piss you off. Bye.
2: A boy knows I can enjoy thy ride, but the matrix don't care, we enjoy Cloud 9, 6-3 Nicola, no order particular, your yeah. Lorien dreams of the crack cell, but we know the crack gon' sell, so if it's a fair, but it don't work well, I what's the hand when what Reagan was a cartel, but ball, do I rap, do I sing, do I preach, I don't know, do I lack anything a love, no I don't, but we gotta be a warrior too, cause that's just what warriors do, Baby. With Jesus, I'm a chimera, looking at these golden years, flying by, by fair, false. They cutting it off for the food, too, analytics, they used to recruit you. Yours yeah. opinion that sets on your son's too. They don't want the individual, just a carbon a copy, true, spitting Woo. that manicotti, yeah, I'm talking saucy. Woo. All they want to build is a prison world full of pet she's like a kamikaze, got me out of body, like I'm Goku SS3. Woo. They want to push me to the center like a cell, they want to spin up at the center of the nexus, me. Yeah, yeah. They want me.